Hello there, I'm Liam Geraghty and welcome to Inside Intercom. This week, our guest is customer service author, consultant and trainer, Jeff Toyster. Jeff's most recent book, The Guaranteed Customer Experience, asks the question, what if you could guarantee your customers an amazing experience and then deliver on that promise every time? In this episode, Jeff shares some insight from that book about everything from the difference between customer experience and customer guarantee to the steps involved in promising and then keeping a promise to your customers. It's a really practical conversation. So let's head over to the studio now and meet Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us and you're very welcome to the show. Liam, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Um, so just to start off, could you give us a little bit of a background on yourself and your career to date? Sure. Well, I'm lucky enough that I think from day one, I've been obsessed with customer service and customer experience. And in particular, how people can be their best in that, that environment. So early in my career, I worked in the corporate world. I ran customer service departments training departments often had responsibility for both. About mid-career, I took a bit of a detour and and left the corporate world to start my own customer service training company. That evolved over time. Uh, And today, uh, I'm really in the content business. So I research, write about, and give presentations about customer service and customer experience. So we're, you're the perfect person to talk to for this. So I suppose like we're going to be talking about your latest book and get some insights from it. It's called The Guaranteed Customer Experience, How to Win Customers by Keeping Your Promises. Where did this interest for customer experience come from in the first place? Like, was it there from the get-go? It was. And I think it came from really two places. Uh, one, like all of us, yourself, your listeners, you know, we're, we're all customers and we've all been frustrated by a bad experience. And the most frustrating part of it, I think, is that what the person or the company should have done always seems so obvious. And I think yeah. that's what makes it even more frustrating. Like, why didn't they just do this? <laughs> I've also been on the other side of it and being on the other side of the counter or the other side of the phone or, or the other side of the website, uh, you name it. I know how difficult it is, how complicated it is behind the scenes to get different departments to work together or even different members of the same team. And and that's always fascinated me. How do we solve that problem so that we could align what a company's doing with the basic expectations of the customer, which is just do what you say you're going to do. (laughs) So it's, it's always been there for me. I'm not sure if this was in your book or I read elsewhere, but about you kind of your first job being kind of in a retail store and and kind of having that kind of very firsthand experience of, of being thrown in at the deep end. Well, you've you've done your research because uh, that story was not <laughs> not in the book. It, it is another book of mine, Getting Service Right. I talked about it a little bit, but yeah, my my very first job, my first day, I was. 15 minutes into it, and the person who was supposed to be training me announced that she was going on break and was going to leave me alone in the men's department. I didn't know our product. <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't even met my coworkers. And so I really just hoped that I had somehow survive until she came back. And of course, as soon as she leaves, a customer comes up to me. And, and you could already tell he was a little bit irritated by who knows what. 
Right. And uh, he asked me if we carried a, a particular brand of pants called Dockers. And I had no idea. And so I kind of looked around and, and I was so nervous and, and and just so out of my element. I couldn't stop my mouth from saying exactly what my brain was thinking, which is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and he got even more irritated and, and turned around and literally just stormed out of the the store kind of muttering about kids these days and bad customer service. And I felt terrible after that. And, and it was, it was, I guess in a way it was lucky that that was my first experience because I knew I didn't do the right thing. And I, I vowed to learn from that, that situation, but I also realized I wasn't put in a place to succeed. And yeah. the person who should have been training me had no business going on break after only 15 minutes and, and hoping some 16 year old kid was going to know what to do. Yeah, 100%. I, I remember that very similar experience myself when I was 16, working in a retail department. But so in your introduction to the book, The Guaranteed Customer Experience, you have this wonderful example of some very early customer service, I, I guess we'd call it, in the 1800s, um, which I'd love to hear you tell, because I, I suppose customer service and experience at one point in time just like barely existed, you know, with the likes of snake oil salesmen traveling around making <laughs> claims on, you know, any claims they liked on their products. So when you mentioned snake oil salesmen, one of the things I, I've, I've sometimes thought about is what was it like before the advent of not only the internet, but <laughs> the phone, <laughs> for example, you know, modern transportation, <laughs> And, and when I was researching the book, I, I came across a story of an entrepreneur named J.R. Watkins, and, and he was in Minnesota in the, the 1800s. It was a very, very rural area. And so uh, he had invented a pain-relieving liniment, which at the time, snake oil sales, but you know, they were really going <laughs> from town to town selling all kinds of miracle cures that were unproven. In fact, a lot of them were, were laden with narcotics and opioids, and they were incredibly dangerous. <laughs> and they would make all kinds of unproven claims, but they would sell their wares and they'd leave town and never be seen again. Well, J.R. Watkins wanted to create kind of a, a, a stable business where he would go from town to town and maybe come back every couple of months and sell some more. So he came up with this idea, which is thought to be the first money back guarantee in the United States. I think other places around the world might have predated this this type of guarantee, but in the U.S., it's it's thought to be the first instance. And what he came up with for his his pain relieving liniment that had just it was based upon a natural product called camphor. Right. He had a mark that was on the bottle. It was called the trial mark. And if he sold you a bottle, and you used the bottle, but it, the liquid in the bottle did not go below the trial mark. When he came back around again, you know, probably a couple months later. If you were dissatisfied, as long as it the bottle was full, you know, above that trial mark, he would give you your money back. And so huh. it it really did two things. One is it gave an extra boost of confidence to a customer knowing I can try this. And if it doesn't work, I'm not going to be out my hard-earned money. But it also gave him an incentive to not only create a good product, but create a good relationship. Because if he came back around and he had to give everybody a refund, like he'd soon be out of business. So he he better have a good product if he's going to make such a claim. And, yeah. and so it was it was interesting to read that story because it, it would happen in the 1800s. And just that idea of 
if you had a bad experience back then, you couldn't go online and, and rave about it on social media or post a bad <laughs> review. None of that existed. And so relationships just worked a bit differently back then. And that product is still around. Am I right? It is still around today. They, they sell all, all matter of products, including the original pain relieving liniment, which is quite funny. In fact, during the pandemic, when uh, soap of all things was really scarce, <laughs> that's partly how I discovered the company when I bought some hand soap that they had to happen to have in stock and could deliver wow. at a time when <laughs> you couldn't find soap in a lot of places. <laughs> so the book, I suppose, it's all about how leading organizations use experience guarantees to fuel customer-driven growth. So just before we get into that, I thought it might be useful to hear the difference between customer experience and customer service, because I think they get mixed up a lot. They do get mixed up a lot. I think customers will sometimes use them interchangeably. Companies often use them interchangeably. In fact, there's a, a big trend where customer service teams will rename themselves the customer experience team because it sounds <laughs> better, but they don't do anything different. Uh, so it, it is happens to be a very important distinction. Customer service is part of the broader customer experience. So what is customer experience? It, it really is all of the interactions that a customer has with a brand and how they feel about those interactions. And so if you think about any brand that you might do business with, it's not just the people you interact with. It is their advertising, the packaging. If it's a, a physical location, you know, the, the location itself, the ambience, the decor, it's how well their product or service works. It's the payment and billing process. It's delivery. It's everything. So it's it's really quite a broad spectrum. And in, and in many organizations, it's bands, multiple, multiple departments that touch that customer in some way. Now, customer service is the, the advice or, or the assistance that a company provides to help a customer with its products or services. Right. And so that's a very specific part of customer experience. Often the most important or most memorable part of it, uh, but they're absolutely different. And, and anyone in customer service, you know, it's simply simple way to, to tell the two apart if you're in customer service, you probably spend most of your day solving customer experience problems caused by another department, a defective product, a late shipment, a billing error. That's customer experience. But now they come to you and ask you to help them solve that problem. And that's the part of customer experience we call service. So in the first instance, how do you identify that problem that your customer is trying to solve? Well, and that's a big part of it. The, the whole concept of an experience guarantee is based on this idea that your customer is trying to solve a problem where it's J.R. Watkins knew that his customer was in pain from something and, and needed pain relief to I'm hungry and I want a meal to you name it. And, and that is the insight you need to have to create a wonderful experience and an experience guarantee. Now, the, the way you do this is is really by listening to your customers. And while that seems simplistic, I don't think we're as good at listening as we'd like to believe. And, and I'll give you an example. In the news today, here in the United States, there's an airline I won't name, uh, but they've canceled over 2,500 flights over the past couple of days. Wow. And they've, they've stranded thousands of passengers. Now, if you were 
to think about it, maybe from an airline point of view, uh, you might say, well, the problem is the flight was canceled, but that's not really the problem the customer was trying to solve. The customer was trying to get from A to B because they were going to their son's college homecoming weekend, or they were going to a friend's wedding, or visit their aunt who's in the hospital and needs some extra help right now. That's the problem those customers were trying to solve. They're trying to get somewhere else. And now when their flight's canceled, and for many people, mid-trip, in addition to not being able to get to, to visit their son or their friend or their aunt, now they have an additional financial expense of hiring a car or booking a different flight on a different airline or spending an mm. extra night in a hotel. And, and that's truly the problem that these angry, angry customers right now are trying to solve. So if you listen I think on just on the surface, you might see, oh, their problem is their flight was canceled. But if you listen carefully, the real problem is my aunt's in the hospital. I'm not able to get to her and I'm on a budget and I don't have money for a car hire or, or an extra night in a hotel. And I'm really in dire straits. So once you've identified the problem, what are the next steps? I know there's kind of three kind of simple kind of steps that you have. There are. And, and these three steps are the basis of creating an experience guarantee that allows you to win customers, but also retain them. So if you think about, we have to first start with what is a guarantee? A guarantee is really a form of assurance. And, and again, why are, why are customers worried? They're worried because they have some sort of problem that they're trying to solve, whether it's visiting their aunt in a hospital or getting pain relief or just getting a nice meal. And if we're going to create that form of assurance, the three steps that you can take are, one, promise to solve the problem. And that's often our marketing communication, but it could also be a customer service provider saying, I'm going to take care of this for you. Mm. It's not enough to just make a promise, though. So the second step is we have to act to keep our promise. And in the book, for example, I, I talk about a, a gas station convenience store that promises clean restrooms. Well, that's I mean, that seems to be kind of a low level thing. But if you've ever been on a road trip and you need a restroom, that's that's very important. Yeah. Well, there's another competitor that also promises clean restrooms. And the difference between the two is only one of them actually has clean restrooms. And so making a promise in your marketing or advertising is not enough. You have to now act to make sure that promise is kept. And that brings us to the third step. No matter what you do, there will always be a time when you're unable to keep your promises, or at least in your customer's mind, you did not keep your promise. And that third step then is recovery. You have to find a way to restore trust so that your customer is willing to give you another chance. And that often involves not just an apology or maybe a discount, but truly understanding what problem was that customer trying to solve and how can we put them back in a good place? So I, I talked about this airline a moment ago, uh, solving the problem won't be a discount on a future flight or, or anything like that. It, for most of those passengers, it's finally getting them to their destination and hopefully making sure that they aren't out hundreds or even thousands of dollars during their inconvenience. I love the the restroom example because it, it, it's such a simple one. Like it's such a simple thing that you would think, you know, just keep your restrooms clean. But it, it just goes to show that the people who go out of their way, you know, the example that you used, I think it was Bookies, was it in uh, Texas? Um, 
is is you know it, I could just see why that would make anyone want to stop there. Bucky's is is a really fascinating place because on the surface their their claim to fame is the world's cleanest restrooms. Um, and you think, well, what's so amazing about that? But again, if you've ever been on a road trip, at some point in time, you need to stop. And uh, I've been on road trips in a lot of places, and I don't know if this is true for you, but at least in the United States, you know, 40% of Americans say they, they worry about finding a clean restroom on a road trip. And it's mm. horribly, horribly inconsistent. Either they're broken or they're too small, so there's a long line, or they haven't been cleaned in 50 years, and you can tell. <laughs> and it's such a small thing, but that's what people are looking for when they make a stop on a road trip. And Bucky's understands this. So they, they said, we're, we're going to promise you clean restrooms. But not only that, our actions are, our restrooms, and, and I'm not exaggerating, the restrooms at a typical Bucky's are larger than a lot of convenience stores. Like the entire store would fit inside the Bucky's restroom. It's amazing. But by overdoing it, they're ensuring that that promise is kept. And when you look at online reviews about Bucky's, I don't want to sell them short. They have an amazing selection. <laughs> Their employees are incredibly friendly. Uh, it, it's a wonderful place, but you showed up for the restrooms. 46% of online Yelp reviews of Bucky's mention the restrooms. And they do a lot of other things really remarkably wow. well. But it's the restrooms that get you in and make sure that that is a must stop when you're traveling. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode one is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt or die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. So with all the points that, you know, customer experience touches on, I can imagine that some people might feel overwhelmed, you know, thinking that, you know, their business is not going to serve, you know, every imaginable kind of customer. So is, is that something that, you know, they should be worried about being overwhelmed? Uh, well, <laughs> I think the being overwhelmed is what what causes the worry. And there's some, I guess, some good news <laughs> if if you can get past that that initial feeling of being overwhelmed. Like there's too much when you focus on solving a particular problem. 
it allows you to concentrate your efforts on that because you cannot be all things to all customers. So we'll go back to Bucky's as an example. Bucky's is the place for people to stop on a road trip, but they are not the place for trucks to stop on a road trip. Trucks need a whole different set of services. And so uh, one of the things, the choices that Bucky's has made is that we're not even going to allow these large trucks to come to Bucky's and we don't have any services for them. So there's plenty of other places that do. Mm. And, and that's a big part of when you promise to solve a particular problem, you're also saying, in effect, if your problem falls outside of this, we might not be the best choice for you. Now, why is that smart? Because once you do that, while you can't be all things to all people, you can be a really good solution to some people. And, and that narrows your options and it also allows you to focus a bit more. The other aspect is once you identify that problem and you make a particular promise, then you can focus your customer experience, whether it's your marketing, operations, delivery, customer support, you name it, your focus can be on keeping that promise. And that's an important aspect as well, that it gives you that, that focus. I think what a lot of companies try to do is when they try to be all things to all people, they end up being... Uh, not very good to not very many uh, because no one as a customer, you don't really see that company speaking to your particular issue. And, and even when you give them a try, they've spread themselves so thin uh, that they struggle to uh, really execute. So I think having an experience guarantee allows you to be a lot more focused and make smarter decisions. We talked about customer service earlier. I'm kind of wondering where does that fit into all of this and the customer kind of experience guarantee side of things? Well, it, it really depends on the, on the company and the situation. Uh, however, in many, many instances, and, and especially if we're talking about contact centers, which I imagine you know is a, is a big part of your audience, we're often at that stage three, which is a promise has been broken. And trust is eroded in some way. And now we need to recover. We need to restore faith. And I'll give you a wonderful example of that. Uh, years ago, I was about to start a, a webinar for a client. So the stakes were high. They were paying me. They had assembled their entire team. So a lot of schedules had been rearranged. And about 30 minutes before the webinar was about to start, the webinar software wasn't working. Yikes. So frantically, now I'm really worried, right? The problem I'm trying to solve is to not disappoint my client. And the impediment to that is the software's not working. So I frantically contact tech support. Fortunately, I got somebody on the phone. That's not always possible, but I needed a live person right then and there. And the amazing thing was this person truly heard what problem I was trying to solve because she was able to get the software working very quickly. Wow. But she did something that that I'll never forget. She understood my anxiety really came from making sure that things went smoothly with my client. And so she said, I, I think we've solved the problem. But if you don't mind, I'm going to stay on the line with you until you start the webinar just to make sure everything's running smoothly. And I'll be right here if anything goes wrong. Wow. That was what restored my trust. Not that, okay, the glitch is fixed, now go on with your day. It was, I'm here for you. I'm your safety blanket, so to speak. <laughs> so that if anything with your big event seems like it's going wrong, I'm right there to help you out. 
And the fact was, I was thinking about switching webinar software providers. This is well before the days of Zoom and a few of the other products that people use now. And I wasn't very happy with this software, but I remained a customer for two more years just because of that one tech support rep's actions, because she understood it wasn't the glitch. It was about restoring my trust in the software. So I, I suppose, you know, if your business looking into kind of customer experiences, how do you motivate your employees to kind of get behind all of this or get on board with all of this? You know, the funny thing about motivation is, and I've had the, the privilege in my career of, of literally speaking with thousands of customer service employees. And what, what's very interesting about motivation is that's not a problem. That's not the problem that we're trying to solve in, in the workplace. We think it is. We talk a lot about motivation, but I think we've got it all wrong. And, and let me explain what I mean. If you've hired correctly, if you've made a good job uh, choosing someone to work for your organization, they arrive day one with tons of motivation. And, and, think, and think about this. You know, people, if you've hired them for the right job, they don't show up for their first day thinking, I'm going to slack off. I'm going to do a terrible job. I'm going to be miserable. They're excited. They're happy yeah. to be there. They're, they're imagining all these great things that are about to happen. The reality is our problem is demotivation. And what happens is after a certain amount of time, usually once they finish training, reality sets in. And they see the disparity between the service that they had hoped to provide or the job they had hoped to do and what they're actually able to accomplish. There's restrictive policies. There's infighting between departments. There's tools and resources that are completely lacking. There's goals that don't seem to be aligned with actually serving customers. There's bosses who, who don't seem to understand. There's all of these obstacles in the way. And over time, that demotivates employees and sometimes to the point where something called learned helplessness kicks in. And that's this feeling where no matter what I do, it's not going to make a difference. So why even try? So the issue really is, is not motivation, it's demotivation. And when you look at the most customer-focused, customer-centric companies, you wonder, how do they get their employees like this? It's because their employees are consistently winning and they're consistently doing a great job. And so their version of reality is probably a much closer fit to what they imagine when they join the company than all those other organizations. Yeah, it makes such a difference. And so just to go back to the very start, you know, when we're talking about J.R. Watkins and his tonic and I kind of, you know, him going to the bother of making a guarantee, I, I suppose it's the same then as it is now in, in that it, if you're going to make a guarantee, it requires real commitment. Absolutely. And, and that is probably what, what sets a true guarantee apart from just using the words. I mean, uh, we hear people using the words all the time. Well, I guarantee it. I mean, how many times has a friend said, you know, we should come with me. I guarantee you're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> and then you don't have fun. And then you ask your friend, what are you going to give me now? <laughs> I think you owe me a <laughs> refund. That doesn't happen. It's just empty words. That a true guarantee does require a commitment. And it has to be something that you're willing to do to take action to ensure that it happens. But also... Again, a plan, if you will, to restore trust. So, you know, I'll give you a quick example. I had my car in for service uh, last week and 
when I got my car back, at, I was at the dealership. I noticed a scratch on the door that hadn't been there before. Now, I think we'd all agree that's a service failure. Yeah. What makes that right in that moment? What will get me to come back to that dealership? You know, an apology, a discount? No, I still have a scratch there. Fixing the scratch, uh, that's not going to make it right either because I have to now leave the car for another day, which means go home and come back another day. That's probably an hour out of my way. That's not going to fix it necessarily either. And so it takes a different level of commitment in that moment. What the dealer ended up doing happy coincidence <laughs> there was another scratch on the same door and the employee offered to take that one out too so okay. that was about restoring trust right because now i went from kind of feeling like i was losing to feeling like i was gaining and that's a that's a different level of commitment so yeah. it's not enough to say i guarantee it you have to take action to fulfill your promises and if your promises are ever broken, then you have to do something to restore trust so that your customer is willing to give you another try. That that takes a lot of effort. 100%. Um, and just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you kind of what's next or do you have any big plans or projects, you know, for the rest of the year or next year? It's funny, Liam, you write a book and then people are saying, all right, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We want another one. <laughs> we want another one. So I, I think one of the, the things that, that I'm really focused on right now is, is talking to a lot of business leaders about how do we execute? So it's one thing, you know, when you write a book, it's one thing to say, you know, I've done the research. I've talked to organizations. I've talked to leaders. Here is the plan. And now when people start reading the book, they find maybe it's it's different than they imagined. So if I'm going to write a book about guarantees, I need to be making that same commitment myself. So I'll tell you and I'll tell your listeners that on page five of the book, I put my phone number, I put my email address. Yeah, I saw this. And I have a guarantee. <laughs> and so that's that's what I'm spending time on now. My guarantee is that if you read the book, you will you will retain earn and retain more customers. And if you don't, there's even a website you can you can contact me and set up a one-on-one -on -one appointment, and we're going to figure out how to solve it and make it right so that I can keep my promise. And so that's what I'm working on right now, and it's it's been fun. I haven't had to collect on the guarantee yet because the process does work, but I, I still provide support to business leaders as they're trying to implement these concepts. And it's a lot of fun for me to talk to people who are doing the real work on a daily basis. And um, so then lastly, just where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? So one of the easiest ways for people to find me is at guaranteedexperience.com. They can download uh, the first chapter of the book uh, at, at no charge. And that actually gives them uh, my phone number and email address. It's right there <laughs> on page five, as I, as I mentioned. Another place, um, and I imagine, again, a lot of customer service leaders are, are listening. Uh, I have a, a free customer service tip of the week. It's one tip via email once per week. Anybody can sign up for it. It's at toystersolutions.com slash tips. And I know customer service leaders all over the world use the weekly tip as a either a discussion topic or even a micro training topic for their teams. It's designed to help you keep your skills sharp. Brilliant. That's a great idea. 
Well, Jeff, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, the pleasure is mine, Liam. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jeff Toyster. If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people find their way to our content. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Inside Intercom. We do hope you'll join us. This is Inside Intercom. Inside Intercom.